Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Okay, we're going to get started. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the session. Wellness in the Workplace Plus. My name is Ross Lewitz. I'm the Senior Director of Workplace Products at Tango. Tango is the leading provider of integrated workplace management solutions, spanning the functionality from portfolio strategy to lease transactions, lease management, energy and sustainability, space management, project management, facilities management, as well as um, uh, desk and room bookings. Uh, it's my pleasure to be sponsoring uh, this session and the Workplace Learning Theater. And it is now my pleasure to introduce our speaker, Shauna McQueen, who will be talking about wellness in the workplace. Plus. All right. Thank you guys so much for that. So. Today we're going to dive into something that is so crucial for today's workforce. In general, since the pandemic, employees have prioritized their well-being like never before. And today we're going to talk about how well-being programs can evolve from a narrow focus just on physical health to something that is much more comprehensive, something that is more focused on, on uh, whole person health. And what this does is this takes people from you know existing in the workplace to actually thriving so we're going to go on that journey together so to start out with what is the sound okay for one thing okay so to start out with we'll talk about what does well-being mean what does well-being mean um, and there are different definitions of what this actually is but we know that it's more than just our health previously we thought of health as just the absence of disease but we know now that it is much more nuanced and complex than that. We also are shifting constantly in terms, is that like a, a weird thing? Okay, okay, it wasn't just me. <laughs> um, but the way that well-being is often described is happiness, health, and prosperity. Happiness, health, and prosperity. So that sounds pretty great. So let's, let's talk about where we're at right now. These are based on, on U.S. statistics. 60% uh, of adults in the U.S. have one chronic disease. 40% have two or more. Um, we also, by 2030, it's estimated that about half the population is actually going to be obese. On top of that, our mental health is really suffering. So we are more burnt out and stressed out than we ever have been. And these numbers aren't really painting a great picture. We're clearly not. We're not happy, healthy, and prospering. So I think that it's uh, kind of interesting also that you know these are all lifestyle-related diseases. And it's not a coincidence, actually, that as working adults, we're spending about half of our waking hours just working. Over the course of our lives, we'll spend almost 100,000 hours just working. So I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that these aren't just lifestyle-related diseases, but they could actually be work-related diseases. So along with 
physical and mental things that are going on with today's workforce, there are a lot of other complex issues that uh, are affecting everyone. So I'm going to call out a few right now. One is just increased sedentary time. We're spending more time sitting down, and that is impacting our health from a physical standpoint. That means that we obviously aren't moving as much, we're less physically active, we're not burning as many calories. That means that we are uh, have poor car cardiovascular health, um, and then we're also at an increased risk of injury, potentially. So we also have more work-related pressure and stress than we used to. So tight deadlines, continuously being asked to do more with less, especially since the pandemic, answering to shareholders, constantly needing to adapt to an ever-evolving workplace. Um, all of these things are not only impacting us at work, but they're extending into our lives beyond that. And most workers agree that that stress is carrying on into their relationships beyond, into their personal lives, with their partners, with their families. And then there are just care demands. So there's what's called the, san the sandwich generation. So people that are responsible for taking care of their kids, but also aging parents. And logistically, this is very difficult, but it's also very mentally and emotionally draining. There also isn't a lot of built support for people who are in that kind of a situation. Um, and when you are in that kind of a situation, you become more resentful towards work. You have decreased job satisfaction. And of course, you're just overall more stressed out and you have less time for your own self-care. And then really taking great care of ourselves from a preventative standpoint. So whether that means we are missing our routine checkups, we're too busy, we're not going to our health screenings, um, this means that things that could have potentially been caught earlier are going on longer and longer, certainly impacting our health long term. And then we've heard about this before, but we are just having a tough time with our work-life balance. Those boundaries have blurred continuously as we've gotten more tech-savvy, and there are a lot of benefits to that. But now we're also working across time zones. Um, we're getting emails at the dinner table. And those boundaries are not quite in place for us all the time. And that means that we're constantly feeling like we need to be on our A-games. We're stressed out and we're anxious because we feel like we need to be performing all the time. So how have we addressed these issues in the past? So traditional workplace wellness has been kind of interesting. It's focused really mostly on physical health. And this is a great start. It focused on things like gym membership perks, health screenings, those kinds of things. But mental health wasn't really addressed so much. And as we uh, now are experiencing, those topics are becoming less taboo and we're embracing more that we need mental health support within the workplace. Um, but all of that was kind of ignored to begin with. Another aspect of some of these programs is they kind of used shame as a motivator. So um, employees were sometimes subjected to things like public weigh-ins or invasive health screenings, sometimes uh, weight loss challenges that they would have to be involved in. And these things, while they were supposed to promote health, actually created kind of a hostile environment where people then felt like they were being judged and they weren't welcome. And that kind of had the opposite effect. And then there were just kind of some insincere attempts at well-being. So it was kind of checking a box. And I think overall, you know, these programs tended to sit with HR. Um, and leadership didn't get really involved. And we know now that leadership getting involved in all of this programming is crucial for the success. 
And lastly, most interestingly, or maybe most backwardly, as I'm going to share later, is they're really bottom line driven. So it was all about reducing healthcare costs and increasing productivity. But the way that they got there maybe could have harmed that to begin with. So what we know today is that only 25% of U.S. employees strongly agree that their organization cares about their overall well-being from a genuine standpoint. And we know that employees who feel that their employer really cares about them, they are more engaged. They're 70% less likely to go looking for another job. They're 70% less likely to be feeling burnt out. They're three times more likely to be a cheerleader for the company, to stick around. And they're actually 40% more likely to be thriving not just at work, but in all areas of their lives. So when the employee feels like their employer is really making an effort, genuinely caring about their holistic well-being, they are more engaged. They are more productive. Um, they're generally happier. Their psychological well-being increases beyond the nine to five into their life. Um, but it's also really good for business because people are performing at their best when they're really taken care of. So it's a win-win for both the employees and employers, but uh, as we see from this stat, about 75% of the workforce feels like these needs aren't being met enough. So this is a, a definition that I like. This is from a Harvard study that began in 2022 and is going to be published in 2026. But it's what does it mean to thrive at work and what does well-being at work mean? It's the state of positive mental, physical, social functioning in which workers' experiences of their working conditions, of their work and working conditions enable them to thrive in their overall lives, contributing to their ability to achieve full potential in their work, home, and community. So a little bit of a mouthful, but what this tells us is that when we are thriving at work, it doesn't just stop there. It ripples out into the community, into our families, into everyone that we interact with, because we are functioning at our best. And when this is the case, work then isn't a detractor of our life, it's an enricher of our lives. So how do we get there? I think one of the things that is most crucial is zooming out into more of a whole person health approach. Certainly physical health is essential, and we've gotten pretty good at that. But there are all of these other dimensions of well-being that we need to be addressing in the workplace. And we've kind of started in some cases, especially when it comes to mental and emotional well-being, but there is a lot of work here to be done. And it's good news not only for employees and employers, but it's also really good news for all of us that are service providers, because within each of these dimensions sits opportunity of needs that are potentially not being met. So how do we actually do this? We can support whole person health through policy, through physical spaces, through virtual spaces, and through culture and programming. So health supportive policies before have focused on things like sick days, uh, you know, good health benefits. That's all really great. What if we take our policies and we start thinking more about those other dimensions of well-being? What if we start adding paid um, 
paid days for us to go and help out in our community? Um, what if we start offering more perks for engaging in other aspects of, of our wellness um, beyond just those sick days or other things? Mental health days are becoming more of a trend, which is really great. We're also seeing some companies start to do things like offer a month-long sabbatical after you've been with them for five years. So I think all of these things are really cool. Um, next is the physical environment. So workplaces should be designed to support physical health. Again, we've gotten pretty good at this through things like ergonomics and offering nutritious foods. All of this stuff is really important. But again, those, there are other dimensions that we can be looking at here. So what about that intellectual dimension? Do we have spaces where people can really focus and be creative? Could we use things like color or scent to help inspire those, those other aspects? And then... Oh no, I think I broke it. <laughs> um, so the spaces, but then the last piece is policy. And Eric caught, called this one out too, which I think is so essential. So it is so important for us to have a great space that supports well-being, for us to have you know, that culture that is also supporting well-being. But the policies is really essential too. So apologies <laughs> for, for this. Um, but with the, the last piece, the, the culture, I just want to add one thing. We need to get better at using our soft skills to help promote a culture of well-being. This morning we actually had, uh, if you were there, we did a meditation to help improve empathy in leadership. Um, we know that that helps to increase engagement. It creates better teams. Um, we know that things like kindness can help protect people from burnout. So in addition to those policies, the environment, that culture through those soft skills I think is really essential and that is something that we can get better at. So all in all, I think these previous programs were a little bit of a band-aid solution for things that they actually, for, for things they ended up kind of contributing to in the first place. So now we can zoom out and create a more whole person approach. And the benefits of that are a better, more engaged, happier workforce, better business outcomes, and more opportunities for all of us. So again, this gets us to a place where we're not just working, but we're healthy, happy, and prospering. So. With that, I will take any potential questions. <laughs> Thank you. Yes? I think policies that are really clear in the guidelines of, you know, days that people can have, of, you know, caregiving support that people can have. It's not just this, like, oh, take vacation when you want it. It's unlimited. It's like, no, this is uh, actually really structured, and this is here to support you, so now you can truly engage with it. I think when things aren't defined well, they're not utilized well. So I think that's one of the most important keys. Great. Anything else? Sure. Yes. 
So the question is, are you finding that companies are promoting more mental health days as one of the benefits? And I think it's kind of catching on a little bit. In fact, um, you know, World Mental Health Day just happened earlier in October, and my brother's company gave everybody the day off, which I thought was kind of interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. But people adding, you know, two, three mental health days over the course of the year, I think is something we're going to be seeing a lot more of. And again, I think that definition and the structure around this is what these days are for can be really helpful too. Yes. Yes, so I love it. The next question is on the four-day work week. What are we seeing on that? So research supports it. So people tend to really like it. They tend to, you know, be just as equally uh, productive, um, and they tend to be a lot happier because they have additional flexibility and agency over their lives. And they're better able to, you know, not just do maintenance in their free time. They're better able to engage with some of these other dimensions of well-being. Um, so there has been more research in uh, Europe on the four-day work week. Less people have kind of dabbled into it in the U.S., but I'm um, really interested to see more of it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I will be around for questions tomorrow morning. Uh, we will be leading a session on uh, non-attachment as uh, uh, the, the brilliance, the professional brilliance of non-attachment. So this is helping to build some of those soft skills in the workplace, too. How do we bring mindfulness to our roles as leaders? So that is at 730 in the morning for anybody who is an early riser. Uh, and we hope to see you there. Thank you. <laughs> This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.